Hey there, everybody. Welcome to part one of the Florida Session wrap-up episode of the Wonkin Circumstance podcast. That's right. Part one. The infighting and the overall struggle between the two chambers of the legislature, the House and the Senate, as well as the governor, have caused both the session to run late by a few days, the budget to have yet to be signed, and overall, a lot of funding that is up in the air. To add to that, one of the members of the state Senate, Frank Artilles, from Miami-Dade County, resigned in the middle of the session. All of this has led to the session grinding to a halt and really being a lot of bickering back and forth. So what we're going to do is do a couple of things a little differently here. First, you're only going to be hearing from me in these two parts. I'm going to try to make that as interesting as possible for you. I know listening to the same voice for a while can be kind of boring, so I'm going to do my best. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to break this up into two parts. Now, the budget is still up in the air. As I said earlier, the governor is threatening a veto. He could veto some of it. He could veto all of it. I'll talk a little bit more about what that means exactly in a second. But what we'll do is in this episode, we're going to focus on the issues that we looked at in this season that are already resolved. That means that some of the stuff that is still up in the air, for example, medical marijuana, a little bit of energy policy, that stuff uh, we'll leave for the next episode that we will hopefully release next week. We're going to release it pretty much a day after the governor makes up his mind about whether or not he's going to veto the budget. Enterprise Florida will, of course, be in that episode. If you hit, heard our Enterprise Florida episode, you know that that is quite the drama at the budgetary level. First, before we get into some of the issues that we discussed in the podcast so far this season, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the budget. The Florida legislature was supposed to have finished their session on Friday, May 5th. They had to extend by an extra three days and were able to finalize the budget and get it all set and approved on Monday, May 8th. It's important to note that the state budget is the legislature's one and only constitutional mandate. It's the one thing they have to do by law when they come into session. If they don't, there are issues. The state's fiscal year runs from July 1st until June 30th. So the budget that we're currently under is the budget that was passed in the 2016 session. That budget expires on June 30th. And starting July 1st, we will have a situation where uh, new agencies will have to know what their new budgeting level is and will know what projects will or will not be funded. The reason why that date is important is because the session is currently over. The legislature is not in town. They're off doing their own thing. Florida has a part-time legislature, as we've discussed in the past. The governor of the state of Florida has a couple of different possibilities for what he can choose to do for a budget that he likes maybe some of, but not all. The governor has the choice to veto the entire bill. Anybody who's familiar with American government knows this option from the federal level. A veto simply means that the entire budget is rejected and would be sent back to the legislature. Then, by a vote of the legislature of two-thirds in both the House and the Senate, the governor's veto will be overridden and the budget will pass as originally intended. 
Now, there's a couple of little things here that may or may not complicate the situation. First and foremost, the governor and the legislature have been having a knockdown, drag out kind of fight over Enterprise Florida. We've mentioned this in the past. The legislature ended up giving pretty much nothing when it came to uh, Enterprise Florida and Visit Florida. Their budgets are drastically reduced under the budget that has currently passed and is on the governor's desk. The governor may choose to veto the entire budget and send the whole thing back because he wants to punish the legislature for potentially hurting a lot of the programs that are near and dear to his heart. This budget is $82.4 billion, and that would mean vetoing every single one of those dollars. However, mentioned earlier that the budget needs a two-thirds vote in both chambers in order for the veto to basically mean nothing and the legislature to get their way. Well, in the Senate, the vote was 34 to 4, and in the House, the vote was 98 to 14. That means that in both chambers, if all votes stay the same, a veto can be, can be overridden. And so the governor would have a little bit of an embarrassing moment if he chooses that route. The other reason for him not to choose the overall veto is because the Florida Constitution gives the governor a power called a line item veto. Now, this does not exist at the federal level. This is the power of the governor to go into a bill and to strike down specific parts of the bill that he may not like. If the governor chooses to veto the entire bill, he loses this power altogether. However, the governor can choose to exercise this power over what the Florida media calls turkeys. These are special projects that are meant for specific districts. And they are usually put in by legislators of that district. They can be for any particular purpose, but they're usually specific to a district. If you are familiar with federal politics, you would be familiar with the term of pork barrel spending to regard what Floridians call turkeys. The governor has in the past taken his veto pen to specific projects in the budget, but left the entire budget to stand. Now, the, floor, the governor does not have the power to give money to a project that the legislature did not. Appropriations is a legislative function. However, the governor can single out specific projects and just give them the axe as a form of punishment for the legislators who maybe were the loudest against his agenda vis-a-vis Enterprise and Visit Florida and other things. A couple of key facts for you here. First... The last veto of an entire budget was a quarter of a century ago. And either way, if that happens, the legislature would have to come back into an emergency special session and get a new budget passed before the June 30th deadline. We don't know what's going to happen. However, the governor has, on several occasions, including on the morning of Monday, May 15th, so yesterday has threatened to veto the budget, the entire budget. Is that posturing? Is that a real threat? We'll see. Let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that has been already wrapped up in the session. First and foremost, let's go to guns. Guns was the first episode we looked at in this schedule, and it is one of the most controversial issues at the state level and in the country as a whole. There were any number of bills that were proposed in regards to guns this session. 
a huge percentage of those bills would have expanded the concealed carry program into new areas where currently concealed weapons holders are not allowed to bring their firearm. The vast, vast majority of those bills died in committee. What that means is that they were brought up in the committee that was relevant to them and they never made it out. They never made it out with a vote approving them to go to the floor. That was the fate that awaited the majority of the gun bills on the docket. The reason this happened is because one particular senator, Miami-Dade's own Anitere Flores, who was the number two senator this session behind the Senate president in rank, cited gun bill fatigue to say that she simply was not interested in voting for more lenient gun measures in the session this year. After that news came out, it became very difficult for other senators to find a necessary coalition to get the bills passed, and therefore the vast majority of them were, were dead on the committee docket. One bill, SB 616, which would have expanded concealed carry to courthouses but allowed those who brought their firearms to check them at the courthouse security, passed the Senate with a vote of 19 to 15. However, it died on the calendar of the House. You have to pass both sessions to get to the governor's desk, and, well, couldn't do it. There was one bill that did pass both legislatures, or I'm sorry, both chambers, and was sent to the governor. That was SB 128 slash HB 245. This was the bill we talked about in the episode that would shift the stand-your-ground burden from the defense to the prosecution. This bill passed the Senate 22 votes to 14 and the House 74 votes to 39, meaning that it was placed on the governor's desk. This governor, who is considered to be very pro-gun, is expected to sign the measure. On the issue of transportation, also one of our earliest issues, earliest episodes, we had a bit of a problem. If you remember a lot of the bills that we talked about in that episode, those bills were presented by Senator Artilles, Frank Artilles of Miami-Dade County. Senator Artilles did not make it to the end of the session because he resigned with a couple of weeks to go. Uh, and why he resigned is something that maybe you want to look up. And we won't really get into the details because we focus on issues here. But Suffice it to say that Senator Artilles' resignation and the drama that surrounded it created a circumstance where the session basically ground to a halt, and most bills that were on the periphery were sent off to die. As a result, the bills that Senator Artilles was responsible for sponsoring or moving forward also received a similar fate, and that includes SB 178 or HB 6007, which was the banning of red light cameras in Florida. It died in committee. There was one bill, however, in the transportation category that did make it through all the way to the end. It did so without controversy and will very much alter the way that an application that a lot of Floridians use is regulated in the state of Florida. That bill was SB 340 or HB 221. It prevented the regulation of ride-sharing apps, such as Uber and Lyft, by local governments. It passed the Senate 36 to 1 and the House 115 to 0. It was signed by the governor, and it will become law on July 1st. So now, if you are in Florida, you do not have to worry about having different rules for Uber depending on what municipality or county you are in. There is one statewide 
structure for regulation. This bill was not as controversial as the Airbnb bills that had a similar motif that argued about who should regulate Airbnb, the state or local municipalities. What's funny is that this is uh, a controversy that will continue into 2018 because both of the major bills that we discussed, SB 188 and HB 425, were unable to reach passing state in both chambers. SB 188, which would have been the bill that was supportive of local municipalities and local governments being able to regulate Airbnb and other home sharing apps as they pleased, died on the floor of the Senate. And so it was never able to make it to the opposite chamber to get a vote. HB 425 did get a vote in the House. It passed 63 to 56. This was the bill that was pro-state regulation that would have presented a similar regulatory structure as the Uber and Lyft bill we just discussed. However, the Senate was not interested, and there the bill died. Because no bill passed, either way, we have a similar limbo going into the next calendar year. We have three more issues that we discussed this year that we are able to give you the final verdict on, and they are some pretty meaty issues, but still... Uh, the legislature has made up their mind. First and foremost, we have the death penalty. One of my favorite episodes to record, SB 280, was a bill that passed both chambers and was signed by the governor on March 13th, becoming law. This bill amended the death penalty process in Florida to make sure that any death penalty cases required a jury being unanimous rather than the previous 10 votes in order to render the penalty of death. This brought Florida's death penalty back into a constitutional status as the lack of a unanimous jury verdict was what the Supreme Court cited in shutting it down temporarily. Now, the death penalty is still a significant issue across the country, including in states like Arkansas, uh, where drug cocktails were expiring and they slated a series of death row inmates to be executed in a short amount of time. However, Florida's system is considered to be standard and is moving forward as expected. Of note here is that in Florida, no one has been executed since since January of 2016, according to the Florida Department of Corrections website. Another controversial issue nationally is the issue of sanctuary cities. This issue has picked up a lot of steam in other states across the country. However, in Florida, there simply wasn't the appetite in Tallahassee to change any circumstances. HB 697, which would have required state and local government agencies to comply with and support enforcement of federal immigration law, regardless of what they felt, died in committee. SB 786, which was the Senate version of the bill, similar language, also died in committee. And so sanctuary cities in the state of Florida continue to be a non-state regulated issue. Finally, we had an episode a couple of weeks back about recess in schools. This was probably our most in the weeds episode. It was one that focused on a popular issue, education, but looked at it from the approach of a very, very specific detail. The argument here was whether or not to mandate that students in public schools in Florida would be required to have a certain allotment of recess time every single day. 
the suggestion was that each student would be required to have at least 20 minutes of recess time. The bill that required the recess time every single day, SB 78, passed the Senate completely and totally without controversy, 36 to 0. However, when the bill got to the House, the controversy struck up. The chairman of the K-12 committee, uh, Michael Bileka, representative of Miami-Dade, you can see how important uh, Miami-Dade County is in Tallahassee issues, Representative Bileka was not keen on the bill, did not believe that such a mandate was necessary, and due largely to his influence, but not only, the bill died in the House. Now, a House version, which would have allowed schools to add recess on days that there was in PE, not a mandate, but allowed the ability to add it, died in committee. That was HB 67. And as it died in committee in the House, it never made it to the Senate. So in another issue, again, we do not have resolution. This is the second straight year where the state Senate was interested in passing something like this, but the state House simply wasn't interested in taking it up. Now, there are a couple more issues that are still up for debate. We already mentioned Enterprise Florida, which is largely due to the budget and the questions around it. We won't really know what happens to Enterprise and Visit Florida until the governor has made up his mind on the budget. There's also a little bit of controversy over solar energy. For the most part, those bills have been decided, but there's a little bit of controversy about who wrote them and who had influence over which one. We want to understand that issue a little bit deeper before we report it here on the podcast, so we're saving that one for part two. Finally, the biggest issue of concern that we focused on this season is marijuana. Marijuana did not have a resolution in this session. There were bills that were up for debate that died on either the floor of the House in the case of SB 406 or died in committee in the case of SB 614. So marijuana still up in the air. There has been talk online, in person, in front of microphones, from politicos across the state of Florida about potentially having a special session that will deal specifically with medical marijuana. Remember, the Florida voters passed a constitutional amendment last November by a significant margin that would legalize medical marijuana in the state of Florida for certain conditions. The legislature must act in order to create a structure where that is possible. A special session would be necessary to have that done in 2017. How is a special session possible? A couple of ways. First, the governor can call a special session. This can be done at any time. The legislature can also call a special session on their own, but they have to have both the Speaker of the House and the Senate President call the special session. The Speaker cannot call a special session on their own because you need both chambers of the government to function, or both chambers of the legislature to function. So you need both the Speaker and the Senate President. In the past, there have been special sessions called on issues that one of the chambers cared about, but the other did not. I'm thinking here specifically about Medicaid a couple of years ago. What happened when that special session was called by the governor? The Senate showed up, they came to do their thing, and they started talking about a potential bill. The House showed up, gaveled the session in, and immediately gaveled themselves out of session. If the House concludes their session and the Senate is still working, 
you can't do anything because again you need both chambers so if you're going to have a special session for marijuana there has to be buy-in from both the speaker and the president of the senate even if it's the governor who's orders the special session we don't know what's going to happen with marijuana we'll hopefully have a resolution by the time part two is ready regardless we will let you know where it stands when we launch and that's it for this week Remember, we have three more issues to talk about and the budget in part two. As soon as we have a resolution, we will have that available for you. Could this be the first budget veto in a quarter of a century? Will the budget pass and Governor Scott not get what he wanted? Will he use his veto pen in a more detailed fashion to punish people like Speaker Corcoran and others in the House that appropriated so little money for his pet agencies? We have another week to find out. Until next time, thank you for listening to Voter Aid's Wonka and Circumstance. Oh, one more thing. We have a special schedule set up for the off-calendar months coming up in the summer and in the early fall, and we'll tell you all about it next week. Catch you then.